Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Glowetz. Ben Jarofsky writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's here with me today. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, David. Today we're talking about your article that appeared in the Reader on November 2, 2012, titled The Public Ways In While the Mayor Skips Out. That's in the print edition. In the online edition, it's got the same title, but prefaced by In Budget Debate. And in this article, you talk about the recent series of public meetings held by the self-styled Progressive Caucus of Chicago aldermen to hear citizens' input and complaints about ostensibly the city budget. At least that's how they advertise them. I went recently with you to the last one, which was at South Shore High School on 75th Street last Tuesday. One of the things that struck me about that meeting was that if I was at Alderman and I was holding a hearing where I get to hear people's reactions to the budget, I might actually present something about the budget. Because, you know, you've looked at budgets. I've looked at budgets. I find that once I start reading the budget, things become evident to me. Mm-hmm. It's comparison to last year. Right. Oh, they're spending money on that. Yeah. Oh, they pay for their own health care. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. And it seems to me that the average citizen of you know the 300 or so that were in that room, they didn't read it. I, I'm guessing. Why would you, right? Yeah. And it, it would make sense to perhaps give a synopsis or say, here's what's actually in the budget. And the other thing that occurred to me is even though a lot of people who spoke spoke about things that they have concerns about there being cuts on, mm-hmm. one of the major ones that we saw being the closure of mental health clinics. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talked about the school system. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people angry about yes. the school system, particularly on the south side where we were. Yeah. And the aldermen don't control the school system. So there's a couple of my reactions to what I saw. I want to get your well, reactions. Well, first of all, I just want to say how appreciative I am of the aldermen for doing this, and I'll explain why. The points you raise are really on target, but let's set some context. Essentially, the aldermen were presenting their variation of a budget hearing that Mayor Daley had sort of turned into an art form over the last 20 or so years. He held three of those a year, generally in late August or early September, right before he unveiled his official budget. And at those hearings, Mayor Daley would have sitting with him all of his department chieftains. In addition, he would pass out a preliminary budget that, in very broad strokes, told people what you were alluding to, how much the city spent last year in a department, how much they were planning to spend this year, so you could see the difference. So residents could show up, briefly look at that budget, and then make comments. Beyond that, there were a lot of comments made just about the general quality of life in Chicago because it was one of those rare opportunities for public citizens to engage the mayor of their city. And you know what the mayor represents in the city. He's the chief. He's the boss. I always joked that is the peasants meeting the king. So all kinds of bizarre, not so bizarre, but just mundane requests and information were passed on to him. Potholes that he didn't, you know, the CAPS program needed more funding. The traffic light was off. And in many instances, there were mayoral aides on the sides of the room. And when the people were done making their requests or making their comments, the aides would run over, take numbers, get the information, get the information and see to it that the problem was satisfied. So in some ways, it was a very successful for the mayor public event. In addition, that people could opine about the larger issues of the day that had nothing directly to do with the city services, such as schools. 
Now, reality is the mayor, the way it's set up, controls the schools, even though their budget's not part of the city budget. He names all the board members. He names the CEO of the schools. In the case of Rahm, he shapes hours, curricula, teacher policy. But we're talking now about a meeting where the mayor wasn't present. So what they were doing, those aldermen were doing, was sort of setting up their own replica of this existing model where they listened to the people. Since the mayor wasn't going to listen to the people, they, the independent aldermen, would listen to the people, and it was uncensored, whatever was on your mind. So you weren't at the second hearing, but there was a fellow who got up to complain about how he was unjustly fired from his job at a Catholic school. It wasn't even a public school. It was a Catholic school. And he just was... Uncensored indeed. (laughs) They just listened, and apparently one of the aldermanic aides then took him aside and got a little more information. I don't know what they could have done. Maybe he just said, shut up. (laughs) Please, don't raise this subject. (laughs) I made a joke in the column, but it's as close as we get to like New England-style, small-town, democracy, town hall meetings where the people vote on a budget. I always enjoyed going to them during the Mayor Daily years. It's a source of a lot of good information, neighborhood stories, got a sense of how the mayor, Mayor Daly, operated, why he was so loved by Chicagoans, even if I didn't share in the admiration. They did show a lot of love at those meetings. Yeah, a lot of love. A lot of it. If you showed up at a meeting and complained, you would get attention. Mayor Emanuel, part of the point of the story is to show how he's he moved away from that. This first year, he cut it from three to two. I said one. That was a mistake, which the mayor's office immediately wrote in to correct. And now you've rectified it. Yeah, I've rectified it. So he cut it from three to two. In addition, he didn't bring his entire array of departmental chiefs to sit next to him. He had to set up more like an Oprah format where he was at the center of the room with a microphone. He rock-starred those meetings. Yeah, he rock-starred those meetings. So, you know, it's his spin on it. He's a different mayor. He's allowed to do what he wants. You know, it's his show. This year, he did away with them all together, a decision that I am still lamenting for the pure entertainment value. But going back to my original question, wouldn't you have at least given some budget information if you were the alderman running that? Mayor Daly used to do it. Yeah, I guess you'd go online and print it out as you did with your own private way. So you could have constructed your own version. It would have been simple. Yeah, it would have been. All right. So that's a valid point. Alderman next year. Unless the aldermen are somehow punished for holding these meetings. You know, and now the interesting two instances, they got public space to have the meetings. One meeting was at Wells High School. The other meeting, as you alluded to, was at South Shore. The third meeting was at the Copernicus Center on the Northwest side. So maybe next year, Rom will make sure that no public facilities are set aside. It's going to be in a VFW hall. <laughs> or in my backyard. <laughs> I'm interested in this idea of punishing aldermen. And you mentioned briefly in your article that several aldermen, namely Folks, Pizzotto, and Fioretti, were punished by having the wards that they're in remapped. Yeah. And just, you know, going to our standard civics lesson mode here, we have to remind our listeners that every 10 years after the census, Mm -hmm. partly due to the Supreme Court's one-person, one-vote rule, legislative areas all around the country are evened out so that they're relatively similar in size. And it's that way in Chicago as well with wards due to state law. And so they must be rebalanced after each census. And now each ward must be, do you know the number? How many people? No. (laughs) I I don't even know the number of hearings the mayor had last year. You're asking me a hard question. (laughs) Take a guess. Okay, I could do this. 50,000. Very close. 53,900. You're good. (laughs) What happened in some cases, well, with those three aldermen in particular, is that because they opposed certain of the mayor's initiatives, 
presumably, right? None of this is admitted to. Yeah. One of them, Fioretti, because, you know, most run for re-election, mm-hmm. that's pretty standard operating yeah. procedure. His new ward boundaries are nowhere, they're not, not at all inclusive <laughs> no, of his own. No, they really nailed Fioretti. No citizen had input to this. That is correct. So here's something that affects how people are represented mm-hmm. in Chicago, because if the people who Fioretti currently represents mm-hmm. like him and want to reelect him, None of them are going to be in this ward. Mm-hmm. If he wants to run for re-election, he has to run in that ward. And I believe he has to move into that ward as well. Oh, His yeah, home is not in there, yeah. I just want to correct one thing. To say that Fioretti was punished with this map suggests that he did something to antagonize the mayor. And the point I was making in the story, last year's budget time coincided with the redrawing of the ward maps. And last year's budget, as we've discussed, was, I, my opinion, an abomination up there with that newly created map that closed the mental health services. They originally were going to close libraries, cut library staff. They jacked up water sewer fees, which are very regressive, using some of the overflow to fund services that probably should have been funded with just a property tax increase, which as bad as it is, is less regressive than the water tax, et cetera, et cetera. So I felt that there was going to be a no vote. It was last year, but the aldermen voted unanimously. And many of them told me off the record that since there was no way they were going to round up 26 people to vote down the budget, there was no point in being the sacrificial lamb to make an independent stand, you know, principle, so to speak, in opposition. Why stick your neck out? Why stick your neck out, particularly when they're redistricting the wards? I think what they did to Spazzato, Fioretti, and folks is decide that they could be disposed of, politically speaking, that they had in real no standing. They didn't care about them. There was no reason to accommodate them. No clout. They had no clout. Folks is close to unions and so can generally be expected to stand with the unions on crucial votes that Emmanuel would be against. Fioretti was something of a maverick in the latter years of Daly. Well, when I think of him being punished, I don't think specifically because he yeah, he did vote for the budget. Yeah. But if, as you've reported, the Emmanuel administration is essentially an inheritor of the Daly administration, yes. there may have been, you know, uh, inherited payback. Absolutely. Point well taken. So effectively, the fear of the ward map contributed to the unanimity of the vote in last year's budget. This year, there is no ward map hanging over the head. The damage has been done, as I wrote, to several of these aldermen. So I'm encouraging the aldermen, vote no, just to show them you're alive, to show your opposition to the continuing privatization schemes, to show your opposition to the closing of the mental health clinics. Your point's well taken that the schools are independent from the budget, but you could still say, well, I oppose the TIF program, which is funded by the city and takes money from the schools. Also, vote no just for the, this is my colleague, the great McDunkey's point, just that you object to the way the mayor has handled this budget, the, the lack of public hearings. He loves to say the word transparency, but... But you can see right through that. Yes, I can see <laughs> I can see right through that. Yeah. So, you know, there's plenty of reasons to vote no. Do you want to make any predictions? That's tough, you know. Let's recap the Progressive Caucus. Yeah, that's, that's really uh, tough. Wagaspec, Fioretti, Folks, Sawyer, Spazzato, Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I missing? Did you say Leslie Hairston? I didn't say Hairston. So any of those characters? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I any of those honorable aldermen? If I had to make a prediction, I would say Fioretti, Wagaspec, and Arena... And then if it's a block, they'll all vote no. Oh, I'll throw Munoz. Don't forget Rick Munoz in there. Oh, right. Yeah. So I'm sure they're caucusing right now, even if it's just over the phone, 
and I know they're doing this, as they try to figure out whether it's all for one or one for all type of thing. So, God, I'm always wrong. Whenever I make a prediction, I'm wrong, and then I owe you well, lunch. Well, it's a So I'm going to predict they'll... We're not uh, betting oh, money. What the hell? All of them will vote no. <laughs> what do I have to lose? <laughs> they'll all vote no. What about the Latino caucus, which <laughs> just incorporated this week? Yes, it did. And let's do a rundown there. I've got the list here. The original list was uh, Moreno in, in first, Cardinos in 12th, Munoz 22nd, who's yes. you know, batting on both teams. Yeah. <laughs> Reboiris in 30th, Suarez 31st, Cologne 35th. And then the non-Hispanic aldermen who were allowed in on a technicality that they represent largely Latino wards are Folks in the 15th, Pope in the 10th, Burl in 14, Zaluski, fine Mexican name, in the 23rd. <laughs> Mel yeah, in the 33rd yeah. and Spazado also betting on two teams. And I believe 36. Dave Glowatz is a member of that new... Uh... <laughs> so any of those you think might... Uh, well, Rick Minos, Tony Folks. Well, they're both on the progressive. Yeah. My sense of it is that if there's three sure votes against the budget, it'd be Wagusback, Fioretti, and Arena. You know, aldermen have told me things in confidence before the vote only and then i see the vote <laughs> didn't work out the way they said and something magically happened between the time they assured me they were going to vote one way they got a phone call with somebody yelling at him <laughs> well you know that's the thing about mayor emmanuel his personality apparently is so strong and he's so willful and he's so such a frightening figure that just the fear of being yelled at by him we've discussed this we have i don't remember if i ever asked you did anyone ever actually tell you besides karen lewis that he called them up and started yelling at no, them. No, and I, I've asked Alderman this, and they say, no, I just think they're afraid of the guy. You know, he's got such a reputation. And so he can get away with it without even doing it. Yeah. The thing about him is that if you meet him and see him in the private ROM, you know, he's just such an F-bomb-dropping, nasty guy that folks just don't want to go up against him. And I think that disposition has worked very well for him. Look where he is. He's the mayor of the city of Chicago. I don't want him calling me. No, you don't want to call you. No. <laughs> uh, he's just getting his way. So you're asked for a prediction. I'm really hoping that all eight or nine or how many there are vote no. Just, as I said, to establish that as a vote. You know, in the old days of old man Mayor Daly, the good old days, there was usually four or five aldermen that voted no on budgets and articulated an alternative view of how the city should be run. And I thought that was really important for the city. <laughs> you could argue that it did not lead to any substantive changes, okay, but it sort of forced the mayor to be aware of other viewpoints. Much like, right, and we haven't discussed it because I haven't written about it, but Governor Quinn in the news today, power move on Rahm Emanuel in regards to the appointees of the stadium authority, which is the state entity that doles out money to uh, build these arenas, these baseball fields and football fields and basketball arenas, etc. Rahm wanted his appointee in and the governor had his, another person in mind and the governor won. And presumably, as a result, the public will not be spending untold millions in a handout to Wrigley Field. We'll see if Governor Quinn holds the line. But the point is, when there's some sort of oversight, when there's some sort of opposition, I think we get a better deal in democracy, small d democracy. Call your alderman, if your alderman is in the Progressive Caucus, and urge the no vote. Yes, urge the no vote. That's all we have time for. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. If you've enjoyed these audio supplements to the columns of Ben Jarofsky, follow us when we move to our new home called Inside Chicago Government. It's a web-based resource of reporting on city agencies and departments, and I'll be giving details on that in a coming broadcast. Thanks for listening.